the idea that only certain men of God ought to have the knowledge of the truth is a lie. Till we all come. I, I, I think this is where the problem is. Most of us do not think we have the responsibility of knowledge. The responsibility of knowledge. Most of us don't think we have such responsibility. Somebody says, but I'm not a pastor. Somebody else says, but I'm just a woman. Somebody says, I'm a man. Somebody says, I, I don't intend to pursue Christianity beyond this point. Somebody says, after all, I don't preach. Someone says, I'm a sinner. I'm not even a good Christian in the first place. So what about knowledge? I don't need it. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11 These things teach and command Let no man despise thy youth But be thou an example of the believer In your conversational lifestyle In your faith in purity Be an example of the believer Colossians 3 and verse 15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts To the which you also have been called in one body And Be ye thankful Let the word of Christ Dwell in you Richly. Richly. Thank you, Jesus. This is not about being a pastor or being a church leader. This is about being a believer at all. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This one at first Peter chapter number three verse fifteen is also very powerful. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asked you a reason of the hope that is in you. With meekness and faith. You know, my brother, my sister, what I'm trying to say is you have no excuse for your laziness, your spiritual bankruptcy, your seriousness with the Bible. You have no excuse for the way you act. With this hand of levity and licentiousness and looseness and laxity 
lasciviousness, laziness in the things of God. Every believer, why? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. This is what is going to happen to you in this life without fail. You're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine because you're not stable. You're not stable. Let's see Ephesians 4 from some other translation of the Bible. Ephesians 4.14 one of that translation. This one is great. It says, So that we may be no longer children sent this way and that, turned about by every wind of teaching, by the twisting and tricks of men. Man. That we hence for being our children pushed here and there. Children tossed to and fro. Sometimes I come to church, I'm saddened. I'm saddened with sudden statements members of this church make. So says, sir, sir, eh, I, I heard, I, I heard this. Someone says, sir, eh, is this one so true? With a very um, scared mind of confusion. Sir, someone said that uh, this is this, this. And I'm wondering, do you ever read your Bibles at all? Do you, do you, do you ever read your Bibles at all? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, cunning craftiness, slate of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So the will of God is that we all press in the form of knowledge. God's will is that we all press in this dimension of information. superfluous abundant understanding of the truth of the word of God is no express express exclusive right of anybody but for every believer every person if you are a believer you must do your best to allow God's word permeate your thinking Sometimes the question is to what extent to what extent should I allow God's word within my mind? To what extent should I allow the word govern my actions? How, how long should I read my Bible? What exactly is my aim, my pursuit? 
what am I looking in for? And I say, you must read your Bible to the point of influence. To the point of influence. Just like somebody says, how do I pray in the Holy Ghost and be satisfied I've prayed? I say, and I say, pray till influence comes. And let the word of Christ dwell richly. Richly. Influence. Till I am influenced. Till we all are influenced. Till we begin to act Christ. Till our minds are predominated. Till God's word submerges our thoughts. And then we begin to act Christ. I shared with you. First of January this year. The importance of your thoughts. It's not just about you. Outside of your thoughts. Guard your mind. What the KJV says calls heart. Guard your mind with all diligence. For out of your mind are the issues of life. One version says, Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You will act and live predominating thoughts. You will act and live out prevalent thoughts until God's word dominates your thinking to the point of influence until you pray in the Holy Ghost to the point of influence you may not be able to act in your life. So, it's, it's a pure joke. If you don't read your Bible well, if you don't have time to pray in the Holy Ghost, and you are talking about being a good Christian, it's just a pure joke. It's just a pure joke. It's just a pure joke. <laughs> it's a pure joke. I'm serious, a pure joke. If all you do is just and I, and I think there is something we are missing if all you do is just come to church and pray religion if all you do is, is um, come to church and just while away time hmm hmm it has to be something you are committed to Deliberate. The Christian life is lived in a very deliberate way. The righteous life is lived in a very deliberate way. I preached that to you first of January. Don't pass the buck. Don't shift the blame. You are responsible for your actions, and your actions are predetermined by your thoughts. Your thoughts come from the things you are associated with. Things you see and hear, things you 
associated with things you are taught, things you observe, are the things that form the very baseline of your thinking pattern and your memory lane. The things that predominate your thoughts determine your actions. Your prevalent actions is your character. Your deeds form your character. Your character defines your destiny. A man can never go in beyond the way of his thoughts. Where would you get a good attitude when you don't have it within you? Where would you get it? Where would you get a holy lifestyle when it's not there within the frame of your action, inspiration? Where, how, how would you? Most believers are just mouth believers. They are just sacrifice pretenders, hypocritical. Because it takes more than just coming to church to live a Christian life. It has to do with you practically being involved with demonstrating Christ that is within your mind. Matthew 12 and verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart. Hey! A good man out of the good treasure of his heart. Your actions are predetermined by what is within your mind. Check your life. The moment you are backsliding, it's because uh, you are not feeding rightly on the word. Or you never really were making progress in the word in the first place. We are only acting. There is a level to which you can pretend. This is why many of us are like, ah, look, 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 ah, ah, hey, 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 I'm a devil. Some of us do it. Say, hey, hey, my, hey, am I just, hey, am I just telling me by you, hey, 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 just, hey, I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm, I'm this, I'm that because we've been acting up, we've been pretending. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart or mind bringeth forth good things, and an evil man. Out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Matthew 12 and verse 35. So I want to God that you spend time with the word. I want to God you deliberately spend time with the word. Then you will see in a very short time a different chart of character. Deliberate. Romans 6 and verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you not, ye are not under law but under grace. First Peter 2 verse 1. Wherefore laying aside all malice. And all guile. And hypocrisies. And envies. All evil speakings. This is deliberate. Deliberate. Verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere make of the word. That ye may grow thereby. And I've been teaching the responsibility you have as a child of God learning accurate interpretation of the Bible. Accurate interpretation of the Bible. It's not just interpretation of the Bible. I call it accurate. Precise, exact. Well defined. 
precise, exact, well-defined interpretation of the Bible. And I thank the Lord that we have the privilege to learn God's word freely. Without any special person leading us by the hand or spoon feeding us. I learned this and my life changed. My life changed the moment I discovered I could read the Bible and understand. My life changed. Ah! Oh my God! It was a breakthrough. And this breakthrough I've heard has been an influence in my ministry over the years. I've blessed people with this single breakthrough. Ephesians 3 and verse 3 defines my breakthrough and I want you to learn from it. Ephesians 3, 3, 3, 4. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery in bracket as I wrote her for a few words. When you read I Lord Jesus Father Lord when you read oh, are you serious? So all you need is to read. Wow. All you need is to read. That cheap this easy all you need is to read hey therefore the very first time years ago i began to read my bible when i was most alert i discovered that this ideology of reading the bible when you are still drowsily trying to get up from bed in the morning or when you are almost asleep is an out of order and an odd thing and i said i will have to read my bible when i was most alert it was common with me then to carry or clutch a copy of the bible and go to class as a university student I'll get there for 8 o'clock in the morning I'm reading my Bible through 10 yes sometimes my Bible was laid straight on my notebook <laughs> oh God and my eyes opened ah! the treasure of information the power of knowledge within me boy something I give glory to God for you read so if you can read you will understand and i said reading has to do with contextuality for example you must read the verses before and after you must read the concept and the book you must read the content well has to do with the language in question has to do with understanding there's a difference between the old testament particularly with reference to the fact that the old testament has become obsolete you must not just distinguish the Old and the New Testament and then say, well, let me show you one verse from the Old, one verse from the New. This is caricature literacy. You must know that the Old Testament is done away with and that it is no longer a bona fide testament, whether for the Jew or for the Gentiles. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availed anything nor circumcision, but a new creature. Galatians 6 15 Not a 
us try this evening to interpret the story of the lepers. I've been taking you to certain stories we find at the Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels and then the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John is called Synoptic and the book of John is slightly different. Still the same story of Christ's earthly ministry before he died and paid by his blood to enact the New Testament. Don't forget this is not confusing. There could not have been any New Testament till Christ died and paid by his blood. So we can't be talking about the New Testament till the appearance of the Holy Spirit at Acts 2 and verse 4. We don't have to be confused about it. That the transliterators of the Bible have placed Matthew, Mark, Luke and John as New Testament should not confuse you. You should not let this override the fact that the New Testament is actually in Christ's blood shed and the gift of eternal life. So if we're going to talk about the practicable operation of the New Testament, it will have to be when the Holy Ghost came into humans at Acts 2 and verse 4. But then I've been taking you through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, showing you some things and showing you how to simply and in a very plain and concise way understand Bible stories, especially as a believer. Something I've emphasized in this church is the fact that God's word is no longer relevant to you outside your being a new creature. You have no right to use any verse of the Bible on whatsoever personal note of application or benefit outside the faculty of a new creature. The Bible is not useful to you if not as a believer in Christ's death and resurrection that has made you become a new creature. It's not whether you are a Jew or Gentile, it's whether you are born again or not. And the place of the new creature is the place we always want to look at. I want to be sure that it directly relates with you. It directly speaks of you. It speaks about you concisely and it has to be as a believer. You don't have any other ground of relationship with any part of the Bible after being a believer. None. Because in Christ Jesus, it's not whether you are... It's, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Galatians 3 and verse 26. It says, For ye all are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you as have been baptized into Christ, ye have put on Christ. He says, in Christ Jesus. Oh, I love this one. Look at it. Look at Galatians 3. Wow. In Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So the Bible does not relate with you as the Old Testament does to Israel. Is this in your Bible? As the Old Testament relates to Israel or Judah 
Assyria or Egypt, it doesn't relate to you anymore like this. The Bible does not relate to you specifically on the grounds of your gender anymore. It does not relate to you specifically on the grounds of your financial status or your lineage, whether you are bond or free. It does not call you a barbarian, a Greek, a Scythian. Rather, it relates to you on whether you are in Christ or not. Hallelujah. This is very powerful. We need to understand certain things. These are elements that define us. Hey! Colossians 3 and verse 9. Lie not one to another, saying that ye have put up the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man. I'm talking about the new creature. The new man. Which is renewed or made new in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In this balance, in this sphere, in this faculty, in this horizon, in this new world, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor circumcision, barbarian, Scythian, born nor free, but Christ is all and in all. 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 Let us see Luke's gospel chapter 17 quickly and then I may also be able to delve into Acts chapter 4. I mean Acts 3, Acts 4. Just like I'm doing here. I trust the Lord that each time you take your Bible and you find any story, the nuggets I've shared here will affect and influence the way you will find meaning for the things you read. Automatically. It sticks. It sticks, you see. And then you know that if you are, going to, if you are doing something against this, you are acting against the truth. Luke's Gospel Chapter number 17, the story of the ten lepers, the ten healed of leprosy, leprosy, from verse 11. I'm a believer, and I'm reading this Bible, I'm reading the story. How does it come across to me? He said, no sir, I don't interpret, you do. Each time you read your Bible, whatsoever meaning you come up with, any portion of the Bible you ever read, is the interpretation you are giving to it. The, the, the thing is not that you don't give interpretation. What I'm saying is that I want you to always give all of the time an accurate interpretation. Let's, let's rule out the fact that you don't. You always, always give interpretation each time you read your Bible. So, what I'm after this evening and some other services I've preached here is that you give the right the accurate, the consistent with Christ's message or Christ's truth. An accurate interpretation. Are you in church? 11, Luke 17. And it came to pass 
as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee so what is Samaria to you? nothing absolutely nothing makes no sense to the believer it's a story this is a mere story I said mere story because it has a context of application it, 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 it is not relevant to you outside the Christ concept so we can't stay at this verse for example and begin to determine the Samaria or the Galilee of your life makes no sense makes no sense and I'm saddened with the way we do it this day in church I've given an example in this church before we take a verse and we extract it we extricate it we exercise it out of the context this one is very familiar John 16 and verse 33 these things have I spoken unto you yet been present with you that in me ye might have peace my pastor is reading this verse and he says you have peace in Jesus name and I said no sir no sir he said to his disciples that in me you might have peace I'm speaking so you can understand and learn peace from the things I'm saying it's not a prayer should not be turned to a prayer it's not for a asking spree Colossians 3 and verse 15 and let the peace of God rule in your heart to the which you also have been called in one body doesn't say ask for peace that we turn every verse of the Bible into a prayer is very erroneous. And I also in this church have explained to you what a prophecy is. And it's not grievous or tedious for me to do it over again. That a prophecy according to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3 is a divine inspiration. A divine sententious inspiration. A divine message prompted by the spirit spoken forth to edify to exhort and to comfort the church men the Bible says strictly by the spirit so it has to do with thus saith the Lord the moment you don't have the 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 free utterance that that mind of confidence and boldness to say thus said the Lord then don't add God to it don't don't say God told me no say thus said the Lord if you know you can't say thus said the Lord then keep your mouth shut because what you are saying is about to be said in the flesh what are we doing these days someone says I want to prophesy. Then the church choruses, prophesy. I want to prophesy. Prophesy. I want to prophesy. Prophesy. It shall come to pass. All of you shall get back home tonight. And your enemy shall be dead. That's not a prophecy. That's a prayer. Or a curse. <laughs> or some witch hunting vendetta. Pray for your enemies. Bless them that despite they use you. Bless and curse not. 
Ephesians, I mean, I mean, First Peter 3 and verse 9, not rendling evil for evil or rendling for rendling, contrary wise blessing. For thereunto you have been called that you may receive a blessing. Romans 12, 14, bless and curse not. Romans 12 and verse 20, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The child of God should always bless. So, when you are making declarations, call it declarations. Don't call it prophecy. Even the Yorubas do it. Because you ought to say, Thus said the Lord. And it's clear this is from God. Very, very authoritative. Very plain clear powerful I, I, I don't think let me say this also I don't think these prophets attitudes of if you believe me will come to pass if you don't believe me it will not come to pass I don't think it's a logical reasonable bible position because under the old testament prophets were called true if prophecies they gave came to pass. And if prophecies they ever gave never came to pass, they were meant to be stoned to death. So this idea of uh, you are despising me, that's why it's not coming to pass. I think it's erroneous. Why must I believe you when things you say are not true? You are the one that will say and then I see it's true and I believe you. If it has to be left to my judgment or to come to pass, then you are either a prophet or a liar. Oh boy. Let's see Luke's gospel. I hope you are learning something. Chapter 17. In case you are not, I know that um, it's going all over the world. Not, 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 uh, not less than 260 people receive these messages each time we send it to them. And several thousand others have a network around. So, in case you are just in church, while we need time. Thank you very much for being present. Hallelujah. Luke 17 and verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Just a simple story. Take it like this. This is all. There's no Galilee or Samaria in your life. And even if you live at Galilee or Samaria present day, it is not the same as with one in the Bible. And as he entered into a certain village, maybe, you should, maybe I should let you know this at this point, that Israelites are so treacherous. They are so treacherous. The reason why they have some sites, some sites specially crafted as Bible sites is for tourism. Several of those sites have been lost. But then they've crafted some place and they say, this is this place, this is this so you can, they can make money of your life. By the way, going to Jerusalem or Mount Sinai is purely tourism. has nothing to do with your faith in God. Whether you go or not is unimportant. Are you born again? Is the truth of question. As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. So how do we interpret this? Jesus is going to enter into your house tonight. No! A certain village is a campground. No! 
a certain village is your family house. No! A certain village is a certain village. <laughs> That's all. You have no right under heaven to misunderstand this verse a wrong interpretation. So, the certain village is just the certain village. That is all. Okay? Which truth afar of? Brethren, are you standing afar of? God is calling you today. No, 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 no. There is no such thing. Once you are a believer, you can't be afar from God. This ideology of making Christians come into God's presence each time they come to church is very erroneous. For being a believer at all, we are in the presence of God. The throne of grace, the throne of grace, Hebrews 4 from verses 14 to, 15 to 16, it's not a throne of prayers to be answered. The throne of grace is a throne of salvation. Every believer became one at the throne of grace and God's mercy. This ideology of we must enter God's presence is very wrong. We've been brought into God's presence permanently by Christ's blood. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 19 having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest of all. You are called a believer. You are called a new creature because you have entered into the holiest of all where you dwell forever. Jesus ever a tea of a better testament is one that ensures you dwell here forever. You won't ever leave his presence. I've said this, it, it, it should be common to your lips or to your mentality or your thinking right now. That at first Samuel 16 and verse 14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. I have said at Judges 16 and verse 20, that the Samson wished not that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And I've said also, John 14 and verse 16, he said, I will send you another comforter who that he may abide with you forever. We must never have the mind he's gone or he's going to come. He's with us permanently. We don't meet him at church. He lives with us. He lives with us. This is the truth of the Bible. I'm not trying to listen, I'm not trying to make you believe what I think. I'm not trying to convince you to think what I think. I'm telling you what the Bible teaches us. I'm not sounding uh, different from other churches. I'm only telling you what the Bible says. So we have a right to make a choice. Like we've always done. The choice has always been ours. Ephesians 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, hallelujah, are made nigh. You are never far from God. He that seeks me shall find me is no longer relevant to you. 
you have found him already. <laughs> draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. It's no longer the basis of our relationship except within another context. Because as it is, we are now in family wood with God. There's a fraternity we have received. We have received a mandate of sonship. A mandate of sonship. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are not another way may receive the adoption of sons. Now that your son, God has put forth the spirit of his son into your heart, calling, Father, Father, Abba, Father. You are a son of God. So there's nothing like you are far, you are outside. There's no such thing like David will say, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. You dwell in the kingdom of God. You are a child of the kingdom. You belong here. You have the spirit of adoption. You have the spirit of adoption. Your birth has been changed. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came unto his own. His own received him not but as many as received him to them they gave the right to be called the sons of god which were not born of the will of blood flesh or man you have been born of god so we should never ever have the mind of being far from god once we were far but now we are in the family of god somebody cannot say well we are far i'm not i'm not far i'm in the kingdom i i belong here you say you are proud i don't think so Look at your Bible very well. First Timothy 6, verses 1 to 3. <laughs> the proud man is a man who does not consent to wholesome words. The words and doctrine which is according to godliness, he's a proud person. The person who doesn't agree with what God has done is a proud person. The person who agrees is in agreement, he's a believer. I don't think I'm proud when I say I am who God made me. You are the proud person. Who refuses to agree with God? Because when you don't agree with God, you make a lie out of his truth. First John 5, 10, 1 John 1, 10. If you don't agree with what God has said about you, you make him a liar. So I'm not proud. You are the one that is proud. If you refuse to agree with whom God says you are, you are proud knowing nothing. You are proud knowing nothing. He therefore that despise it. First Thessalonians 5 verse 8. Despise it not man but God. Who also has given to us his Holy Spirit. Acts 10 15. Thou shalt not call common what God has cleansed. If God gave you the seed. He dwells on the inside of you. You are not far. You are in the kingdom of the father. Hallelujah. So we don't look at Luke. And cheaply be adopted into a lie. I'm not far. I'm here. Woo! He has made us to be accepted in the beloved. Very concrete scriptures that reveal our new identity, our nationality, our bloodline, our new heritage, our lineage, our confraternity, our fraternity, our maternity. We belong to God. We're in the kingdom of God. We are not outcasts. We are not foreigners. We are not strangers. We are members of the household of God. We belong here. I don't have a sense of no welcome here. I have a sense of rousing, glorious, joyful welcome in the house of the Father. 
this is who I am in Christ. This is the kind of thing that will govern your prayer life. You can pray more. You won't get frustrated and tired. You're welcome in this place. Not because of what you have done, but because of whom he made you in himself. For he had made him who knew no sin to be sin offering for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God fabricated in Christ Jesus and bold. Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. We have peace with God. No sense of guilt. No sense of shame. No sense of inferiority. No sense of fear. No conscience of fear. I have peace with God. I have peace. Tap me 24 hours. I'm set to pray. Tap me always. And I know he hears me. First Peter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are the righteous. And his ears incline to their prayers. 24-7. 24-7. Because I have peace with God. Therefore be justified on the grounds of faith. We have peace with God. Wow. Luke's gospel. We are trying to read the story of the ten lepers and learn something vital as believers for whatever things we are written aforetime we are written for our learning that we through comfort and patience rather than comfort of the scriptures might have hope verse 13 Luke 17 and they lifted up their voices and said Jesus master have mercy on us so what do we learn from this we have to shout before God hears us <laughs> not true this is not true it's not so you know for a while in this church I, I tried to establish the very fundamental consolidated foundation of relationship with God as to be delineated or separated from the performance of prayer and I want to God that you learn that being a child of God is more powerful and more potent and more prominent than the performance of prayer you must learn it you must appreciate god as your father beyond some persons who gives when you cry we have lost it we've turned it to ah i prayed i fasted and i prayed we've forgotten sonship the spirit of adoption the spirit of blessedness he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Gotten according as his divine power hath given unto us. She accomplished in him who is the head of our principality and power. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his only son, but freely gave him up for us all. How shall he not with him? We've forgotten all these verses. 
Say, and I shall. Ah! Ibatimo sukun si olon olon. Ah! Mweni baba God. Baba God. Onilo ninje. I became naked. 3 a.m. Seven days of the week. Ah! I said, God, you will not rest. I said, then God said, what do you want? I said, I want a car. And God said, I will first give you a tricycle. <laughs> Lies. I want you to learn how Christ prayed. Please. Learn how Christ I was at a point I was studying how Christ prayed. Hey! Hey! How Jesus Christ prayed. And I got a lot. How Jesus prayed. Was there any such thing as chipping himself nude or screaming or shouting or and even looking at First Kings 18, First Kings 18 with Elijah and the Bar prophets, prophets of the groups and Asheroth, 850 prophets. It was the prophet of Baal and Asheroth and the groups that were screaming. They jumped on the altar and they began to cut themselves with knives. They began to scream. I think this idea is very similar to shrine occultic worship. I'm not saying it's bad to pray. I, I, I think it's good to shout, to pray, but I, let's do it in faith. Let's not scream because we are hopeless, exasperated, or confused. Let's not become dramatic because God will not answer because our God is deaf, mute, spastic. He doesn't, he doesn't answer. Oh God. I have preached in this church the place of tears and sobbing. The place of tears and sobbing. And I've told you that that the very relative relative peace you have when you sob is just purely relative. And that sobbing in itself has no psychological benefit like we always say. Ah, let him cry. Let him cry. Let him let emotions out. It's just a waste of time. Crying will not solve the problem. Crying does not mean faith. Only the word of God deepens faith or brings encouragement. That you are crying does not solve the problem. It's only religious. It's only societal placating thing when you cry. You are just wasting your time. Instead of crying, have faith. Speak words of authority. Thank God. Assert. Declare no. I refuse his death. I refuse her death. I refuse. I refuse the kidnappers. I break their hold. I say in the name of Jesus. Let him go. Let her go. I break the yoke of Boko Haram. I destroy their comments instead of crying. Make declarations instead. 
command the phone to come back. I command the phone to come back. I command my car to come back. I command it to come back. To come back. To come back now. In the name of Jesus. is more important than crying. You need something that will keep you up. You don't need something that will depress you. Crying depresses. People that cry, cry more. People who don't cry, don't cry. People that cry, cry more. You don't stop crying once you keep crying forever. Because crying does not stop crying. Crying brings more crying. Don't ever be deceived to say, when I cry, I'll be okay. When you cry, you'll be less than okay. You need to cry the more. You cry forever sometimes. So, in this particular case, they, not you, don't, don't use this as a proof text for shouting. And they lifted up their voices. Brethren, let's lift our voices. Ha! That's wrong. That's a wrong application of the Bible. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us. Oh, have mercy. Oh, this issue of mercy is serious. You don't need the mercy of God. You are an object of God's mercy. God's fullest weight of mercy is called redemption. God's fullest weight of mercy is what he showed you in saving your soul. You won't get more mercy from God than you got. Don't expect further mercy than you have received of God. First Peter 2 and verse 10 at the time you were not a people. Now, you are the people of God. At the time you didn't obtain mercy. Now you have obtained mercy. So why do you need mercy? You are a vessel of God's mercy already. He has demonstrated his mercy. Hi. This is the truth. Someone says, ah, revo, revo, it means you don't believe. You know, on Sunday I established something. There's a difference between revo is confusing us and we don't agree with you. Just be bold, be, be bold enough to say, sir, than saying it's confusing you. I am saying you don't need God's mercy anymore because he has had mercy upon you once. Someone says, but mercy is not enough. Who told you? God's mercy is superabundantly enough. You've seen it. You've experienced it. You are in it. You are called whom you are because of this ebullient, superfluous, wonderful, and deep mercy. Titus 3 and verse 3. Titus 3 and verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. 
But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Mercy defines differently from what you think. Grace defines differently from what you think. You don't need mercy in your academic work. He gave you mercy already. What he called mercy, he has shown you. This is the blank, blanket, blatant, blocked definition of mercy. <laughs> Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So, if the ten lepers at Luke 17 and verse 13 will cry for mercy, not me. This is very simple. I said, not me. You know, you think you are making sense. Lord, I want your mercy. Lord, your mercy I want. You are not making sense. You are speaking unbelief. You are speaking against Christ. You are blaspheming. You are proud. You are insulting grace. You are doing despise to the spirit of grace. You are, you are, you are conniving and conspiring with Satan in rebellion against God like Adam and Eve did. You are committing the sin of treason. I hope God will not chase you out of this garden. Hallelujah. Whatever this means to you. <laughs> you know, it's emotional. Very emotional rendezvous. It's an expedition and a journey of emotional sentiments. Lord, have mercy. Oh, we all need his mercy. Anybody here who doesn't need his mercy? Let's, let's, let's be factual. Let's, let's not pretend. Let's not act like Revo who says we don't need mercy. It's not about me. God's word says he has saved us by mercy. Take my name out of your mouth. We're, we're talking about you and the word. Forget about me here. Yeah. Are you sure you don't need mercy? Ah, a minute mercy, then you're not born again. <laughs> if you need mercy, you are not born again. Because if you are born again, he has saved you by mercy. But you say, Pastor, mercy is different. Ah, you, are, you, are, you are redefining it. You are, you are defining mercy against the word. Let's stay with the word. Let's stay with the word. Let's not stay with our sentiments. Let's stay with the word. Lord, have mercy. What is the meaning of this? The mercy saved us. Quickly. Quickly. Let's, let's see. And then I'll close. 14. Luke 17. I'm trying to interpret the story of the ten lepers found at Luke 17 from verse 11 on like a deliver shoe. I'm believing God that this will guard further interpretations of scriptures you will have. You must always interpret the Bible as a new creature. Isn't 
not confusing if lepers asked for mercy and the believer who has been saved by mercy is asking for mercy is it not confusing if the lepers were born again they won't say what they are saying can you imagine this I've said this to you in this church I know that many things fly your head because you don't really have time for the word I was thinking that if David were born again the Psalms would be different what David calls salvation is not what you know as salvation what David calls deliverance in the Psalms is not the same as Christ's deliverance David's perception of enemies is different from yours what David calls the word hey what David David calls the word is the laws. It's not the word of grace. David does not know the Savior. If he ever knew, he wouldn't even understand because he's not meant for him. Let's not get it mixed up or twisted. If the lepers ask for mercy, not the believer. Verse 14 of Luke 17 and when he saw them he said unto them go show yourselves unto the priests so who are the priests here our pastors go and give them offering go and give them tithes lies lies and it came to pass that as they went they were cleansed you shall be cleansed today lie wrong interpretation verse 15 and one of them when he saw that he was healed turned back and with a loud voice glorified god and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a samaritan and jesus answered saying where then not ten cleansed cleansed but where are the nine they are not found that return to give glory to god save this stranger and he said unto him arise go thy way thy faith had made thee whole so we see two levels of healing first it was cleansed then after thanks he was made whole rubbish rubbish he was cleansed which means he was whole jesus just said go go the second statement he made was not another level of healing it was just the same thing so you are whole it's not that jesus healed him partially until he gave thanks listen and listen good i could stay here and stay long but i don't want to the New Testament ideology of things is for only one thing. The New Testament ideology of things is one thing. When I talk about the New Testament, I'm talking about redemption. When I say New Testament, cast your mind on redemption. Thanks. 
for one thing. I want to show you some places quickly and I want you to um, find the time to do this survey yourself. Some of these surveys I have done for 30 years. You can do it. Let me just quickly run you through places where you find tanks. Just especially in the Pauline epistles. Just look at things. You see, you won't, you won't find thanks for a healing. No. You won't find thanks for a breakthrough. You won't find thanks for having a child because you've been barren or because you've had an unfruitful or infertile marriage. I've told you it's not just about being barren. Sometimes it's the man that has a problem or it's coming together that is a problem. So it's infertile marriage, not just barrenness. It's not always, sometimes it's 50 50%. It may just be that the man is having the problem or they're coming together. So there are three possibilities the woman has a problem, the man has a problem, or both have the problem coming together. So, we're not thanking him. You don't find it in the Bible where he says, Thank him because he just were delivered of a child, he just passed an examination. There's only one reason in the New Testament that is pointing that is predominantly the reason why God says thanks or Bible says we should give him thanks salvation just look it through and think it through thanks for being saved 1st Corinthians 1 4 I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Christ Jesus are you in church? Romans 1 8. First, I thank my God through Christ, through Jesus Christ, for you all that your faith is it in your Bible? When you leave this place, check. You can take a concordance and run it. And run the concept of thanks. Why would he say thanks? Thanks. Why would he say thanks? Just uh, take a concordance and run it through. You, you, you'll be shocked. What you find. Thanks. And the very basic reason why. Philippians 1.3 I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Look at verse 6. Being confident of this very thing that he which had begun a good work, you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Is this in your Bible? I thank my God. Look at this one. Colossians 1.3 We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith it is a, oh look at this one first Thessalonians 5 and verse 16 rejoice evermore 17 pray without ceasing 18 in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you thanks for salvation. Thanks for salvation. 
So there's no such thing as if you don't thank God you got a job, God will take it from you. If you don't thank God, He gave you journey mercies, you possibly have an accident when you are going back. If you don't thank God, He gave you one, He will not give you two. No, 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 no. God doesn't operate like this. The reason you are blessed is because of Christ's sacrifice and atonement. It's not because you give thanks. Giving thanks is good. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. But it's not a mandate you must give thanks to get from God. It's not a philosophy here. It's an aberration. Because he blessed us in Christ. I've been able to give him thanks. So cheap. So we have learned so much from this story. We haven't learned against Christ. We have not allowed this story to ruin our perception of God revealed by Christ. Hebrews 1 and verse 1 says, He's the brightness of glory, the express image of his person. He said, Philip, he that had seen me had seen the Father. No man had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son of the Father, who is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. We don't allow stories from the Gospels ruin our understanding of what God has done. We don't live in split image ideology. If it's the truth, it is the truth we stay with. So, what can I learn? Quickly, what can I learn? Let's, let's learn. Let's learn from Luke 17. Quickly learn one or two things and I'll close. What can I learn from Luke 17? What can I learn? The lepers here saw Jesus and cried unto him. They had faith in him. So what do I learn from this? I don't learn faith in what he will do. I learn I should have faith in what he has done. Oh! Leprosy can be anything. No, 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 no. Leprosy is only one thing. Caused by macrobacterium leprae. Just one thing. Leprosy can be poverty. No, 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 no. Leprosy can be... No, no. Just one thing. Leprosy it is called. Only one thing it is called. Leprosy. So I learned if Jesus did it, he has done it. If the lepers were saved, they will have faith in him in what he has done. Please, stop trying to get faith for what he will do. Do your best to be updated in what he has done. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 7 For we walk by faith and not by sight. What else do I learn? I learn Jesus spoke a word even before they were healed, they acted. They didn't see, they didn't feel it. He said, go! And as they went, they were healed. As a child of God, if God says he has done it, I don't care a hoot whether it looks like it or not. I take an action. I act on what God says he has done. I act on whom God says I am. I see myself in this image. I advance in this faculty. I am whom God says I am. I have what God says I have. Confident, assured. 
He has spoken a final word in my life. A word of completion, a word of power. I take an action. I take an action. I give him thanks all of the time. I thank him for what he has done. Simple. This is what you will learn all of the time. You don't come up here and give us something deeper and diverse and distracting each time. If you don't read the Gospels and miss Christ, you should not go back under the Old Testament and begin to violate grace. You cannot run the law against Christ and miss him. He that is justified by the law, if you are justified by the law, you are falling from grace. Falling from grace. Must I allow the law to make me miss grace? The choice has always been yours. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.